Young, back to throw. In trouble, he's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs, gets away again, goes to the 40, gets away again, to the 35, cuts back at the 30, to the 20, the 50, the 10. He dies. Touchdown, 49ers. What's up, faithful? El Sacco, Zane Nappy here with you again for another episode of the 49ers Web Zone. No Huddle Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by My Bookie. Winning season returns at My Bookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means Survivor, Super Contest, and Squares. At My Bookie, winning season means hitting all your parlays and props with your feet up, watching your team trounce their rivals. Rejoice, it's time to celebrate the NFL season. Invest in your intuition, use promo code WEBZONE, and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play designed to add more excitement to the sport you love and the games that you bet. From live betting to championship futures, every play you want to make is waiting at MyBookie. It's simple. Make your picks, win big, and collect your cash. Again, use promo code WEBZONE and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today only at MyBookie. And talk about investing your intuition. I love doing the survivor pools for the NFL. And last year, I woke up on a Sunday morning checking Twitter like I always do for the injuries and things like that. And I had picked the Saints that week. I thought it was for sure easy win the Saints. I think it was they were playing Atlanta. And I saw on my Twitter feed, Matt Stafford got hurt. He's not playing for the Lions. And I'm like, all right, the Lions are definitely going to lose. I have to change my pick. Like that's my intuition. Like you got to change your pick, Ali. You got to change your pick. Then I'm talking myself out of it. If you change your pick and they and the Lions win, you're never going to forgive yourself. But I, I felt I had to go with my intuition and I didn't. And I stayed with the Saints and the Saints got upset that week. And I was out of my survivor pool. So that was terrible. And when you go to mybookie.com, trust your intuition. Don't be me. But Zane, you know what, buddy? That's pretty much the story of my life, man. <laughs> yeah, it's what I made. One, I made one bet last year. It was a friendly bet. I bet, and and you may or may not remember this, but I bet uh, stats about also regarding the Saints too, um, and Taysom Hill. And I think it was Taysom Hill gaining like it was like fifty total yards in the game that the Niners played the Saints in, and he got to like thirty nine or something like that. And he lost a bunch of yardage on the reverse or something because he hates Taysom Hill. And I ended up having to have Russell Wilson as my Twitter uh, display picture for a week. And it was <laughs> the longest week of my life. <laughs> yeah, anyone who knows, you know that that had to be painful for you. Yeah, Stats hates Taysom Hill. Hates him. I, I, it's funny because I don't know why. Did he like Hill, man. steal his lunch money or something? Like, it was, <laughs> it's just so funny. <laughs> I get it, man. Everybody, you know, Taysom Hill isn't a nice little gadget player, but everybody's saying he's going to be this next, you know, franchise QB and he's the next Steve Young. Get out of here with that. The guy's 30 years old. He's, what's he throwing 20 NFL passes? Yeah. I get it. I get the frustration, man. I really do. But I was going to say to you too, and I, put, I, I actually tweeted this out today. I'm just, I'm really excited for the NFL season to come up as we all are, right? Everything's been crazy. We can't wait to watch some football. But you and I have talked on this show and privately, we're, you know, we're not huge fans of the preseason. We think it's, there's too many games. It's too long. I know I usually turn on a preseason game and I'll watch, when it's not, I watch all the Niners games, but any other team, I'll, you know, I'll turn it on and I watch like the first quarter and then I'm sick of it. And I'm like, all right, I just want the regular season to get here. Dude, I feel so detached right now from the NFL without the preseason. It's throwing me off, man. Is it throwing you off? Yeah, definitely. The, the season kind of snuck up on us this year because you have the preseason to kind of get ramped up and you've got those four games. And although it's a, the preseason is a month long, it happens during camp and you have some time to kind of warm up to the NFL, so to speak, because you're you're in the dog days of summer and we've been watching baseball for several months now and there's no basketball or hockey or anything else on. And it's like, okay, there's another sport kind of coming back on the radar. And it happens to be, in my opinion, the biggest sport in America, football. And 
I at least the most popular sport, in my opinion. But I always use the preseason kind of like as a primer for me to be able to get into the NFL. And I, I don't know, Al. Like, I mean, I did like the preseason to to a certain extent, and I'm realizing that now because it was nice to like when I'm watching football. Like, I'm very tense and intense, and like I'm just not a fun person to watch football with because I, I'm so <laughs> into the games. Like when you used to play sports, like people like oh, like you know, you used to play college sports. How are you not? You're a former athlete. Like how you, how do you get let this get to you when you're a fan? The difference is that when you're playing a sport, like personally, you're in control of that situation and you have a, a certain mindset that you have to be able to get out of that situation. When you're a fan, you have no control at all. And like you're at the whim of what happens when uh, an oblong football hits the ground and starts bouncing around. And I think because of that, preseason for me was like, all right, like it's a chance to, when I used to go to the games, um, go down to the, the, the stadium and just sit there and the weather was really nice. You get a good seat because nobody shows up to those games. You just sneak down to like the first few rows, and like you just watch the game and you have some food and have some fun. And there's no consequence, win or lose, right? You get to see the rookies, and it was fun. It was a nice little primer for the, the regular season. Were there too many games? Sure, but you know that's better than than no preseason games. And, and I and I really w- wish we could have seen a couple because now it's like now the season's starting. What not this Sunday, but the Sunday following at the recording of the show, and mm-hmm. I feel like all right, well, who's going to make the team? Like there's certain spots that like, we're going to get to our 53 man pre- preview, but like who's going to make this team now? We don't really know. Cause we haven't seen who's been playing. We've heard stuff in camp and it's very different when you put the pads on and play against another team. So to me, I do miss preseason. I, I kind of realize that now through this pandemic and I hope we get it back in some way, shape or form next year, maybe not four games, but I hope we get some preseason next year. And it, th- without having the preseason, it did throw me off doing this 53 man roster because you know, there's just little guys that you see do, do this, that, and the other thing. I, I think Jim Michael hasty is a guy who's going to get hurt by no preseason. We'll get into that, mm-hmm. but it was hard for me to do the roster because I think it's going to be really cut and dry. I really do. And we'll start with that, with the quarterbacks. Now, Nick Mullins has got to be the backup. I don't care about the competition. They can say whatever they want to. Mullins to me has proved that he should be the backup. He's kind of a poor man's Jimmy Garoppolo. He steps right in there. He can move the offense. He, you know, Shanahan's always a good fit there. I personally would not put CJ Beathard on the team, but I think that they're going to. So, Zane, those are my three, my three quarter. Garoppolo, Mullins, and I'd be shocked if Beathard isn't there. Yeah, I think with Nick Mullins specifically, like he was able to perform decently well in the, in the eight starts that he had. He had a 3 5 record with, with that team uh, after Jimmy went down. But uh, to me, I, I think that there's, there's a fascination behind CJ Beathard where it's like a Kyle Shanahan pick and he's not quite ready to let go of that yet. And frankly, it, he should have done that a season ago. But I think that there's really no reason to not keep them, especially with practice squads being bigger this year as well. And uh, with COVID and things like that, and having maybe one quarterback possibly possibly in isolation to make sure that he doesn't get the entire quarterback room sick, or he doesn't get when, if the entire quarterback room gets sick, he doesn't get sick. It's fairly common for the NFL uh, to, to have teams thinking about that. So whether it's Jimmy that's that guy or Mullins or Beth, I mean, I don't know. but. I think this year, especially, you, you need to have three just in case. Um, and for that reason, I'm, I'm saying the same thing. Uh, Garoppolo Mullins better than that order. Yeah, I think if anything does happen to Jimmy, Mullins can separate in, and this can still be a double-digit win team. I, I, yeah. I really believe that. I think he's I th- good enough, especially with the defense the way it is now. Yeah, I think that like when you have a backup quarterback, the idea behind having a guy step in is that not that he's going to spend an entire season playing like Nick Mullins did, or half a season, I guess. For him, but the idea is like, well, if your quarterback goes down, he can win a game or two or finish out a game 
or basically just not mess it up until your your guy gets back. The the intent is that he's good enough where he can keep you afloat uh, until your starter gets back. And I think that the Niners have that luxury that a lot of other teams don't have where they have two quarterbacks at the top of the depth chart that are really capable. So um, obviously I think there's a big drop off from Jimmy DeMullins, right? That's, that's just kind of a given, but Mullins, mm-hmm. he can win you a game or two if, if you need him to. So for that reason, he's, he's got to stay here. I don't know if he's going to be here after this year because of his contract situation, but for at least this year, he's, he's there. I'm interested though with Mullins. And, and again, let, an ideal situation, he never sees the field, but he was 23 years old when he was playing a couple of years ago when he kind of got, he was an undrafted, undrafted player. And he got thrust into it, and he did pretty well. So as he's continuing to grow in the system, I, I, I'm not saying he's Garoppolo, but I, I wonder how far along he could be. And, and he's, he's an intriguing guy to me, but again, in a perfect world, we never find out. So um, now looking at the running backs, obviously Juszczyk is going to make it, and he's huge to um, what they do in the offense with the running game. Mostert's going to be there. He's going to get the bulk of the carries, I think. And Coleman, I don't think, will touch the ball as much this season if everybody's healthy. McKinnon's going to make this team. And again, I don't know how much he's really going to run the ball, but we're going to see him a lot in the passing game. It's going to be interesting to see how, how Kyle Shanahan divvies up the carries. But I, I just think Mostert was so good last year that if he continues to do what he's going to do, they're going to have some kind of a timeshare just because that's how they roll. But Mostert, to me, has to get 13-ish carries a game. He, he, just, he, he was just dominant at times last year, and hopefully they can keep feeding him the ball. Now, the, I think they're going to keep five total backs when you consider Juszczyk as part of the, part of the stable. And there's a lot, like I mentioned Hasty earlier, and there's been a lot of talk that he's been doing really well and looking good in camp. But I think they're going to go with Jeff Wilson Jr. ahead of him because he's a known commodity. We know what he can do with the goal line. He had a huge catch against Arizona to win that game last season. And Hasty, and, and we're going to see this with a lot of rookies, we didn't see them play. We didn't see them in game action. And other teams didn't either. So I think you could slide more guys into the, onto the practice squad this year maybe than in a previous season. And I think Hasty will go to that practice squad and the five backs will be used check Moster. Coleman McKinnon and, and Jeff Wilson Jr. Yeah, I'm, I I think that um, the interesting thing to me is is what's going to happen with Tevin Coleman after this year because Kyle Shanahan loves Tevin Coleman from their days in Atlanta and Coleman had a good game against Carolina. Uh, he did have offseason shoulder surgery that that uh, from an injury he sustained in the playoffs, so wasn't effective in the Super Bowl. Um, and I think that he was banged up during the season too. He had an ankle or something like that. he had a lower body injury, I believe, and because of that, you really didn't get to see, like he didn't perform too well outside of that Carolina game. And I think that a lot of people got on him for that, but I still think he's a valuable piece just because he can catch and run out of the backfield and, and he knows the system. Um, he is again, as I, as I mentioned in, in a contract year, uh, he signed a two, two year, it was like $9 million deal um, before last year. And is this one of those things where they're basically deciding between some of the guys that they have on the roster for a tryout next year um, and just, let guys like Coleman walk uh, to be able to save cap space. Cause we know that the Niners are up against it next year with, with their cap room and they have to do everything they can to save space for uh, being able to resign the guys that are coming up on their deals. Although they got the Kittle deal done. Uh, McKinnon has just been destroying guys at camp this year in terms of catching the ball out of the backfield. So he's obviously making it. He's going to be a big part of the offense uh, in the passing game. You'll see a lot of design routes for him. A lot of checkdowns going to McKinnon, a lot of uh, dump offs, things like that, that I think that, McKinnon will be another safety valve for Jimmy near the line of scrimmage uh, and be able to run with it. Um, you check that goes without saying a pro bowl fullback, best fullback in the league. More and more teams are going to a fullback when they run their offense. Uh, and we're kind of going back towards that. And you check is a big part of that. And Raheem Mostert is, is, you know, like this is the guy that you want to center your running game around. Like he's, 
a one cut and go guy. He's exactly the type of guy that Kyle Shannon wants in this offense. And with, again, mentioning the practice squads, and you'll hear that a lot during this episode, <laughs> is that with them expanding, I think that Jeff Wilson Jr., if he doesn't make the team, he'll go to the practice squad, and you will see him activated for some games this season. I think that he's another one of those guys that potentially could come in and replace Coleman if he walks. And the Niners need to be able to see if, if he can play within this offense because you'd much rather play in Shannon offense because it's so complicated. You want, you'd much rather have guys within that you can promote rather than getting guys that are free agents, especially the running back position, which the league doesn't really value this year. Um, Jermichael Hasty is, a, is, a, is an intriguing guy. He came in with Salvo Ahmed. Uh, Ahmed got cut this past week because um, he kept putting the ball on the ground in camp and Kyle Shannon hates that. So Ahmed is gone and Hasty has left. And I think Hasty will make the practice squad. Agree. I, I think that we can definitely, see, we will definitely see him at some point this year, especially with, with the injuries that happen at running back and everything like that. Um, Hasty, Hasty will probably get some carries for the team this year, and I, I am looking forward to to seeing what he can do. Now, wide receiver, it looks like it looks like they're going to be healthy going into week one. It looks like Debo is going to be there. It looks like Ayuk is going to be there. If that happens, great. We'll, we'll see what actually goes down by then. But And those guys are obviously, if they're both healthy, I think they're going to be your starters along with Trent Taylor. Those four are locks. Kendrick Bourne is, is also probably a lock. For sure. I'm sorry, those three are locks. And Kendrick Bourne, definitely a lock as well. Now, after that, I have to think with, with the training camp that Dante Pettis has had that he's a lock too. Looks like he's played well. It looks like he's, he's got a fire under him. I think he's going to make the team as well. Don't think they're going to go seven receivers if everybody's healthy. I, I have them with six. And I'll tell you why in a second. Um, and I'm going to say the sixth receiver just because of experience and because of his return ability is going to be Tavon Austin. Mm-hmm. I know they have Kevin White in camp. I know people are excited about that. I think they're going to stick with Austin in there. He's got speed. Shanahan likes that. He can help in the return game. And those will be your six. I'm really excited about Ayuk. When he was healthy, he was getting a lot of targets from Garoppolo. And that's not easy for a rookie to do, to come into camp. And especially with a playbook that's as complicated as as Shanahan's to get in there and be healthy and um, to get in there and make a lot of plays, I should say. And if he can come in there and do that, that's, that's really exciting. And we know what Debo can do. And there's Mike Silver said today, how good Trent Taylor has been in camp as well. So all of a sudden, if everybody's healthy, all of a sudden you're excited about Debo, Ayuk and Taylor, right? We were talking last week and a couple or a couple of weeks ago. All right. We're a little worried about this group. There's injuries. Are they deep enough? If those three guys are healthy, Zane, I'm excited about those six. Do you, do you guys, do you have those six? Do you have seven? What, what did you have there? Yeah, so I'm I'm with you. Debo, Ayuk, Bourne, Taylor, Locke to make it. Um, Dante Pettis is the one that I'm like, okay, are they are they ready to give up on him? He's had a really good camp. Um, Kyle Shanahan is not really forthcoming with praise for anybody. Um, he's just that type of coach. Uh, if people are doing poorly, he's not going to praise them. And Dante Pettis has been a guy that he's been praising this entire camp. So I think Pettis is going to get one more shot to make it. Um, partially because you don't want uh, you don't want, you need to have as many guys returning kicks and punts as, as possible. And I don't think you want Trent Taylor doing it anymore. You certainly don't want Ayuk and Debo doing it. Um, and I think that Pettis is one of those guys that will be able to do that. Plus maybe last year was kind of like the, the sophomore slump here. Cause we saw him come around towards the end of his rookie year and he, and he did pretty well for himself, but uh, he admittedly got a little bit complacent last year and, and, and took criticism the wrong way. We've heard about the story between him, him, him and Kyle Shanahan and, and both of them have owned up to their size uh, of it to their credit. So I think he's coming in rejuvenated and, and you'll see a different Dante Pettis this year if, if he gets opportunities, which I think he will. Um, Tavon Austin, I, I think he makes the team as well because 
the returnability is the thing that they're that they're kind of missing right now. Like you don't want previously you had guys like Mostert and uh, Debo and DJ Reed, who's not with the team anymore, and um, you know guys like that. Uh, Richie James returning kicks, and now it's it's at the point where none of those guys are either with the team. Um, they're hurt or they're just too valuable at this point. And, and Tavon Austin is one of those guys that gives you something out of the return game. And I think that's what they brought him here. The one that interests, interests me right now, uh, Kevin White, obviously, like I, coincidentally, I'm in Chicago right now um, for a little bit doing some stuff. But, you know, I can step outside right now and ask, ask these Bears fans what they think of Kevin White. And he was a humongous bust over here because he could never stay healthy. And I think that the talent was there. He had one good year in college. And he came out and uh, really, you know, he went seven overall to the Bears and got injured, um, came back, got injured again, and hasn't played football in a couple of years now. So if he can give you something, you know, like a big body in the red zone, something like that, that's great. Um, I don't think he's necessarily going to make the team. I think that they're probably more apt to get a guy like Juwan Jennings uh, more shots because he's a bully in the red zone as well, or he was in college. It's just that Jennings really didn't, didn't do anything in this camp to separate himself. That's what. We talked about the at the beginning, Al, is that last year we saw Jalen Hurd, who was on IR now, obviously with the ACL tear. Um, he kind of separated himself at the beginning against the Cowboys with those two touchdowns, and we got really excited about him. And then he he got he got hurt. Jennings didn't have a chance to make that impact this year because we didn't see him in games. Now, does he make the team? I th- he's going to make the team. They're not going to give up on him, obviously, after one camp. But I think he's going to go on the practice squad, and at some point you may see him on the team um, based off of they need receiving help but Jennings was the guy I was hoping would kind of be able to get on the final roster I just don't think it makes sense to keep more than six wide receivers especially with the way the Niners run the ball I'm right there with you and in, in talking about running the ball and we know how well some of the tight ends on this team block obviously George Kittle star player star blocker goes without saying Jordan Reed who who I am getting more and more intrigued by if he's healthy I'll tell you what to put Kittle and Reed on the field at the same time man I can't wait. I can't, I can't wait. I, I think, I think if he's healthy, he's going to have a bounce back season. Now he's got to stay healthy. We'll see if that happens, but I'll tell dude, Oh, I'm, I'm excited about those two together. And then I think Charlie Warner is going to make the team and I don't think they're going to get rid of Dwelly. So I can see four tight ends here. You mentioned the running game. The tight ends are important. This is a run first team. So I, I went with four. I thought about the seventh receiver, but, but I agreed with you. If all those guys are healthy, in, in Jennings, I just don't think that enough to push his way on either. So I went with the four tight ends there. Yeah, having a two tight end set, like the Niners uh, were basically uh, near the top of the league out of out of the, the 12 personnel, one, one running back, two tight ends, um, or one receiver, two tight ends. And they uh, they love running that, but it's just they didn't have a second tight end that they could trust to catch the ball. Ross Rally was really nice, a really nice addition, but I just think his inexperience was, was kind of uh, a, a turn off to Kyle Shanahan in terms of having him uh, be able to be a focal point. He he did catch a couple of touchdowns last year, but to me, like the the difference between a Jordan Reed and a Ross Dwelly is huge. And that's not a slight against Ross Dwelly. That's just what I think of Jordan Reed in terms of his, his athletic ability, route running, um, and his experience in the system. So obviously we know George Kittle and Jordan Reed are making this team. The Niners want, I mean, I hate to say this because of Aaron Hernandez, but like the Niners want Gronk and Hernandez 2.0 here with Jimmy. Uh, because that's what he saw kind of growing up in the NFL over in New England is that he saw that uh, they have, were able to have success there. Um, the interesting thing to me is what happens after that. Uh, you got Werner, who's been really, really good in camp this year. Uh, he's earned high praise from Shannon and, and Kittle. They do keep three tight ends. They'll keep that 
uh, at least that many. Kyle said, said that last month. Um, I think that the fourth tight end, you have Dwelly, you have, um, was it Chase Harrell, who's also super, super athletic. And uh, really, you can put either one of those guys on the practice squad. So I think that Dwelly's going to end up on the practice squad. He's had a foot injury. Um, so I think that basically, like, they could, if it's something that's significant, IR him and be able to get that roster spot back or uh, kind of stash mm-hmm. him on IR. But mm-hmm. I think that he's going to ultimately, when he comes back, having experience in the system wins out for Kyle. And Dwelly will end up on the practice squad, and Harold may be the odd man out. Yeah, especially if 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 Reed doesn't stay healthy. Once once Dwelly's healthy himself, he's he's a big guy to have there, mm-hmm. backing up Kittle. Offensive lineman, okay, Trent Williams obviously, Michael Glinchy obviously at tackle, and Justin School School will be the swing guy. Tomlinson obviously, and then from there, Ben Garland is going to be your starting center if he's healthy and ready to go. He'll be the guy. In, in the middle, and then Brunskill, Compton, and McKivitz will be your other interior linemen. I love Dan Brunskill. I'd love to see him get the starting guard nod. We'll see what happens. You know, Compton's a veteran. And if Garland's healthy, Brunskill slides right in there, I, I think, perfectly. So we'll see where they go there. But those are my eight for the offensive line. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much right with you. Uh, Side on Dan Brunskill, he played so well last year. I thought that even... And it's it, it would be an unorthodox thing to do, but he played so well and outplayed Mike Person by so much that I thought that he should have started the Super Bowl. To be honest, at guard, I really thought that he should have started in that spot because he played the, uh, a good portion of the season there and along the the rest of the offensive line. Um, and he played really really well for his you know for being a guy who was just a kind of like a nothing player that didn't expect anything out of. So yeah, Brunskill to me should get the right the nod at, at starting right guard. Um, I think he's done enough. I don't know why this is a competition between him and Tom Compton. I think that again, Kyle has his favorites. We know this, right? And Tom Compton was a guy that he had in Atlanta. So I really think mm-hmm. Brunskill should be there. They've got McKibbitts as well, who they drafted, who's played, uh, who's, who's practiced pretty well too. Uh, we don't know um, when Richburg is going to come back. He's on pop. So when Richburg comes back, that's going to be the interesting thing. It's like, okay, well, what do you do then? Um, do you bench Garland? Do you have Garland move over? Does Garland become the backup? To Richburg, um, this is the group that I think is going to have the majority of people, uh, the, the most out of any position group on the practice squad. Uh, you may see, you know, McKivitz go to the practice squad when when Richburg comes back and Garland slides down. So I think that the back of this is is to me the the more I guess interesting part because the front side is set. We know who the starters are going to be aside from the right guard position, assuming it's Brunskill. But um, you've got guys like Dakota Shipley. Uh, the uh, what was his name? Um, Bronis Grasu. If I'm not, I, I'm not pronouncing it correctly, but they signed him as well. <laughs> and um, they can stash either of those guys or both of them on the practice squad. This will be one of those units that they're going to need more bodies here, um, along with the defensive line, in my opinion. So, um, starters are all the same. Brunskill, I think, will start at right guard. Uh, I say Compton and McKivitz will make the team as well. So, that's um, basically the same eight as you. And the only think, thing that it will derail this, this, yeah, you know, you got it. You got it. The only thing that's going to derail this group to me is if Garland gets hurt, can't go and Brunsell has got to go to center just because he hasn't played there. And, and that center position is so important. I'm, I love the offensive line. If it's healthy, I think it's going to be better. Trent Williams is a stud and everything out of camp from what it looks like. He hasn't lost a step. So I'm, I'm so excited about this offensive line. Actually, as the season gets closer, I'm getting more and more excited about the offense. If, if healthy, I know I keep saying that, but 
could be really special this year, man. It could be really good. Yeah, Trent Williams. And we know the defense um, is special. Sorry, uh, Trent, Trent Williams no, is actually the, the the best player uh, in camp by many accounts. Many people have said that. And if you watch a video of him, he's so damn fast. The guy is faster than people that are 100 pounds lighter than him. It's unbelievable how quick and athletic he is. And I see now, I always was a big Trent Williams fan even when he, when he was with Washington just because he was so good. And he would always pop out like whenever you'd see highlights and things like that and, and, and watch the game live. Like It's like, wow, he's a massive human being and he can move so quickly. But now I'm just like, man, they need to do whatever they can to lock this guy up because I feel like it's going to be a, an upgrade on, at left tackle and Jimmy's blind side will be protected for years if they can somehow like, figure out how to lock him up. Absolutely. And then defensive line going over the defense. I, I guess they're going to keep 10, I, 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 would, I would think. Just because they like to rotate, and we saw how much that group wore down last year. Hmm. So obviously, you have Bosa, obviously, you have Ford, Kinlaw, DJ Jones, Armstead. Okay. Ronald Blair, they really missed him when he got hurt last year. He's, he's a given as well. Contavia Street has looked really, really good. Solomon Thomas is going to be there. That's eight. Next two, I got to give Kerry Hyder the nod because they've, they've been so complimentary of him. Robert Sala has been talking about how much he loves Kerry Hyder. I have to think he's going to make the team. And then the 10th, I said Kevin Givens. I don't know if that's going to work out for me or not, but those were the 10 that I had there. And we remember uh, they've got Deion Jordan in camp as well, former top three pick. So I think that... Oh, you know what? I You know what? I would... Oh, now that you just said that. You know what? I'm going to put Jordan on over Givens. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. I forgot um, about Jordan. I'm going to put Jordan on over Givens. Yeah, and not not necessarily because of the, the name, but because of like basically, like, all right, this guy's he's got the experience. You need a body here because we know that the Niners like to rotate their defense out. We like they like to have their guys fresh, specifically Bosa and D Ford, um, who should both be back by week one, by the way. Uh, and and Mike uh, Kashian expects to play, but we know that they're going to rotate them out, and they need extra edge rushers. They need extra people that can rush the passer. So really, you have kind of a couple of different subsets of defensive line for the Niners. You have the run stuffers and you have the pass rushers. And I expect at some point during the season, you're going to see on the, on the field at the same time, Nick Bosa, D Ford, uh, Ronald Blair and Eric Armstead at the same time. And you may, you can substitute Blair for Deion Jordan or whatever you want, but you're going to see all pass rushers at the same time. You'll see, as we saw last year, all run stuffers at the same time where Bosa and Ford come off the field. But because of that, I think that, Robert Sala requires more out of, his, out of his defensive line. And Chris Karocek has been such a good asset to have coaching these guys up as defensive line coach. So I think Deion Jordan makes it over Givens. I'm with you for the, for, for the other nine. Uh, Ronnie Blair is just a huge, a huge asset to have coming off the bench as a situational pass rusher. He's really good at what he does. Um, and when he was drafted, I remember we talked about how he was um, basically conference player of the year and you want those sort of superlatives. And he's been a really good at situational pass rusher. So I think that, Having him back is going to be huge. Kerry Hyder is a guy we hear a lot about. Kerry Hyder, and I'm so interested to see him uh, in actual games and, and see him play because we've heard a lot about him in camp. But again, no preseason, so you can't see what he's going to do. Practice is completely different than preseason games, right? Because you don't go up against your own guys. Um, but yeah, first nine are the same except for Deion Jordan over Kevin Givens for me. All right, linebackers: Juan Alexander, Trey Greenlaw. Aziz Alshair, Joe Walker, and then last, obviously, but not least, is Fred Warner. The reason I say Warner last, obviously, he's, he's, he's would be the top guy there. But we know that he's on the COVID list, right? 
And I saw a lot of things where all oh, the linebackers are interchangeable. We have Alexander, we have Greenlaw, and they're both very good players, Alexander and Greenlaw. But in, in my opinion, Fred Warner is a special player. He is the captain of that defense. He makes the calls. Robert Salas said that he, he may be the most important person to the defense because of that. And I just saw a lot of that when he went on the COVID list. And we don't know if, he, if he's got COVID, if he was exposed, if he's going to be back tomorrow. You know, we don't know. He's, he could be fine. But there was a lot of, oh, kind of, we'll be okay. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, you might be okay, but you don't replace a special player. And I really think Warner is, is special. You look at a Bosa, you look at a Warner. These, these guys are special. You don't just replace those guys. So Fred Warner to me is so important to this defense. And, and I wanted to just address that as I was going over the linebackers how important he is and that if he's not there even for one game, it is a huge loss. It's a huge loss and you don't replace a Fred Warner. I think he's that good. In my opinion, I think he's that good. And you saw how well he played last year. I just see him getting better and better and better. I think the guy's an absolute stud and I really hope that he's okay and good to go for, for the whole season this year. Yeah. Um, that was one thing that I was really, really, I, I was kind of, uh, bummed to hear about the Fred Warner thing. I was like, okay, well, hopefully he just got, we're not doctors here, obviously, and, and we can't speculate, but hopefully he just got exposed. That means just, he just has to take three consecutive tests that are negative and he can come back to the team. Otherwise he's down for, for two weeks, plus however many days his, his symptoms last. Um, I'm, I'm of the same mindset as you. I think that personally, this is going to be outside of the receivers. I think this will be the most exciting group on the team. They're all really good. I'm a huge Dre Greenlaw guy. I love the way he plays so much so that I'm, I'm you know me, I'm, I'm very like judicious when I, when I buy my jerseys, I'm like, should I buy a Dre Greenlaw jersey? But then I remember my jersey curse. I'm like, no, I probably shouldn't. <laughs> so stay, stay, that, stay away, man. Stay away. <laughs> yeah, I will. yeah, definitely. I will. I think that, uh, you know, if, if Warner starts the season uh, and he can't play for a couple of weeks or like a week, uh, you, you're probably gonna see Quan Alexander move into the middle. And uh, I'll show you and, and Greenlaw be uh, Will and Sam, respectively. And I, it's basically down between Nazacha and Joe Walker uh, and, and as the, the, the other linebacker slash special teams guy, because the, at that position, we'll have to play both. Nazacha has the experience, but Joe Walker is younger and cheaper. And for that reason, I think that they're going to go with Joe Walker. Not that we're trying to agree on everything here, but I think that the, the cap ramifications, you know, you're paying Walker a little bit less and you're trying to save as much as you can. He's kind of like a younger. I guess a younger version of Mark Nazacha. Um, the only thing that I think that Nazacha has on Walker is that Richard Hightower, the uh, special teams coach, he, he actually really likes him. So because of that, I, I think that he has a chance, but I think that Walker will beat him out. Ultimately, I think Walker gets that, gets that spot because especially with Warner being out, Al Shair, who, who typically plays special teams, you can't have them doing it, doing that anymore. You have to have a guy that's dedicated to just special teams um, and and not doing both um, both starting and playing special teams. So um, Walker over Zacha for me. Cornerbacks, I think, are another no brainer. You're going to have Sherman. Verrett's look great from all accounts. He's going to be there. Mosley, Quan Williams, Witherspoon. Yeah, uh, Witherspoon's an interesting guy because it's like, okay, well, I feel like this is this is his last chance to make an impact, and Verrett's like basically outplayed everybody at the opposite Sherman uh, of Sherman. And he's really shown up in camp and he's, he's in better shape. He's faster. He's got his feet underneath him. He's got, he's got a lot of rave reviews specifically like from Richard Sherman, um, but also from the other DBs. And it's nice because Emmanuel Mosley was not, you know, he was not doing a bad job at all opposite Sherman last year when he got a chance. And when you have depth like that at a position that has typically been historically 
uh, with Robert Sala's defense is very thin. I think that's a big deal. Uh, Kwan Williams is coming back from the calf injury now. I think that uh, any idea of moving Jimmy Ward down into the slot or Tyrese Moore down into the slot uh, to to play there uh, to replace Williams is gone now. As long as he can stay healthy, if he's not healthy, that's basically what's going to happen. Is that you'll have one of the safeties that can play corner move down into the slot, and then you'll have a guy like um, you know uh, Marcel Harris or Jonathan Cyprian fill in. Uh, well, Cyprian's a big hitter, so Marcel Harris would fill in at free safety. So. Um, yeah, I kind of kind of uh, went out of order here. I kind of uh, spoiled the free safety uh, thought for myself, but that's that's just what I think. But that's a good transition because I think the only way Cyprian would have made the team is if someone else wasn't wasn't ready to go. And I said Ward, I said Tavarius Moore, uh, Tart, and Marcel Harris. I just don't see the Niners giving up on a Moore or Harris at all. We know Ward and Tart are the starters, so I so I had Cyprian not making the team and those four making it. Yeah. So. Um, the only thing about Jonathan Cyprian that I so here's the thing, he's a big hitter. He's a he's a box safety and he he can't play over the top. Whereas like Harris can Harris can kind of do both. Uh, Tart can do some of both. Uh, Ward is Ward and Moore are typically your free safeties, but they can also play corner too. So I think that what Robert Sala wants out of safety group is versatility, and Cyprian really does one thing. However, the the only thing that I want to remind people is that Jaquaski Tart is a free agent next year. And the question that I have is, and I pose this on Twitter too, is that is this an audition for Jonathan Cyprian to take that slot and to and to basically show what the what he can do uh, on a team that may very well lose Tart? We know uh, there's several free agents in the in the defensive backfield for the Niners next year, and they're not going to be able to afford all of them, Richard Sherman included. And you have to prioritize who you want to bring back. And this is a good opportunity for them to see a guy like Jonathan Cyprian in this system what he can do. You can stash like Marcel Harris on the practice squad. You can do that if you want, and you are probably pretty pretty safe for somebody else not picking him up. However, like you said, Al, that's going to stun his growth. So to me, I'm going to say Jonathan Cyprian makes the team, and I'm going to say Marcel Harris goes to the practice squad. Really? Yeah, oh, because man. because of that audition for next year, man. I, I think that they if they let Tart walk, I'm not sure whether they do or don't. Like I don't have any feel on that yet. But if they let him walk, you have to have a guy who's there. That's a really important position. The, the box safety because it, you have you have a lot of responsibilities down there and if Cyprian can show that he can play then he might be the guy to take that spot next year. Hmm. I really like Harris. Three force fumbles last year. Really, really like him. Um, all right, special teams: Gould, Wisnowski, Nelson. Do we I probably didn't really didn't talk about that, right? No, fourth round kind of is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's not, he's definitely making the team. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's go. The next thing we want to do, have we ever done a mailbag before? It's been a while since we, we have done one. It's been a while, though. We have done one? I drink a lot. I don't remember that. <laughs> at some all point, right. I mean, we, we've I been got, doing I this for a couple of years now, right? So I think, I think we've done this at some point. All right, I'll, I'll, t- I'll take your word for it. All right, so <laughs> I kind of looked at these questions. I put it out on Twitter, so this is going to be interesting. Um, I kind of looked at some of these. So we'll just go through, and let me just kind of read it for Okay. First one, I'm not giving anybody's names in case these are controversial at all. All right, it seems the 49ers have had some issues with confidence as in Dante Pettis. Do they, do they have a psychologist on staff or something like that? Yeah, I don't, I'm sure everybody has some kind of sports psychologist thing going on, but I think Pettis, Pettis is the only one I think that would really have an issue in terms of that. Um, and I think last year, whatever was going on with him, he was in Kyle Shanahan's doghouse. Maybe he just wasn't aggressive enough. 
But Pettis, to me, it was a Pettis thing. I don't think there were any other players on the team, Zane, to you, that would have any issues with confidence or anything like that. Um, kind of just about Dante, right? Yeah, I think it's it's a Dante thing. But regarding the confidence, so Dr. Harry Edwards was for years really renowned at the 49ers because you would see him. He would he'd be the dude on the sidelines with the glasses and the and the and the, and the white beard. Um, the, and he would always be high five with Jerry Rice and Terrell Owens after touchdowns and everything. And he was a guy that they had brought on, and the Niners were one of the first teams to do this. Uh, interestingly enough, and they had him at games, they had him uh, at practices, and he would basically talk to guys and make sure they were okay. Because, look, as an athlete, I can tell you, or former athlete, I can tell you that like confidence comes and goes like the sun rises and sets. Like it, it is one of those fickle things that you can wake up getting out of bed in the morning and have a game that day and be like, I just, I, you know, for me, it was baseball. I'd be like, okay, I'm going over six with six strikeouts. I just don't feel it today. Like you get to the yard and you're just not feeling it. And it's a thing, but, but it's also one of those things where like, they're also professional athletes. So they have things like little mental exercises they go through to get them up for games. And some, some guys are better at than, than, than others are. And I think that Dante is in a much better place mentally than he was uh, last year because he has the support of his coach vocally. And some guys need that. Some guys like the tough love. Some guys like to be, uh, uh, you know, get that vocal sort of support from their from their coaches and to ease their own. I think he's going to have a better year. Um, but before we continue, so speaking, I, I just saw this come across my timeline. Al, you may have seen this too. Before we go any further, uh, speaking of the wide receivers, the Patriots released Mahomes Sanu. So this just happened. Like, oh, did they? Yeah, they just released him. So I don't know if the Niners come knocking or if they if they want to sign him. They were looking at him before they signed Emmanuel Sanders last year. I don't think he's gonna. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're gonna they go were with interested. him. But it's just another guy that Kyle Shanahan liked that he had in Atlanta. So just just something throwing that out there. I mean, if they're not sold on Tavon Austin, maybe right? Mm-hmm. Maybe they they try to slide him in there. I don't know. But but I I, I just think again, if if Ayuk, Debo, and Taylor are all healthy, that's a pretty strong top three. I think they yeah, might be okay, but something to keep an eye on. All right, Zay, next one. I'll leave this one to you here. To start the season, which one of these things do you think might struggle the most? Passing offense, rushing attack, run defense, pass defense. I think one of those could struggle early on for the Niners. Um, so I, I know I answered that question uh, foolishly before getting we had a mailbag in, in the tweet, but um, I'm actually going to change my answer. So I think that the... I feel like the, the pass defense will struggle a little bit just because you don't have the interior rush from uh, from DeForest Buckner being gone. The run defense will probably be a little bit better because I thought that uh, I didn't think that Buckner was that good of a run defender. He's a much better pass rusher from the middle, uh, and you have DJ Jones back, who's who's just going to be I think a, a really star run defender. Um, but d- specifically, the pass defense I think is going to suffer a little bit because you you don't have. Buckner basically occupying two guys and freeing guys up. Uh, and I think that now with more tape on Bosa, teams will be more apt to attack his weaknesses. Not that he's not going to have a, a great season. I think he will, but that's the one that's going to happen is that your, your secondary is affected by your pass rush. I don't think in the, at least in the first few weeks, it's going to be as effective. Uh, once Kinlaw gets in there and has a good rotation, they have a good rotation of defensive tackles there uh, to be able to create some pressure. I think it'll get better as the season goes on. Yeah, that's interesting. It's interesting. Um, I guess I was really worried about the passing offense, but I'm not if people are healthy. Mm-hmm. The rushing attack, I'm not worried about at all. The run defense, I'm, I'm, I'm probably not worried about at all, especially if DJ Jones is there. Yeah, I, I, I might say pass defense too. I don't know. That's, that's a good question, though. 
I think they're pretty pretty set all the way around, and that's good. As a Niners fan, it's pretty good when you look at all four aspects like that, and you're like, well, I don't know if they're really going to struggle anywhere. That that's a pretty good thing to say. So yeah, you know what? I'm going to go with that. We're going to struggle nowhere. Fourteen <laughs> and two, damn it, not struggling anywhere. All right, how has Tim Harris Jr. looked to see have a shot at the final fifty-three man? No, I think the corners are the five that we said. And practice squad, sure, but I don't see anybody beating out those five guys. Yeah, me neither. I, uh, Tim Harris was one of those guys that was injured, and he's a big, well, I guess a taller corner, which uh, which Robert Sala likes. But I think that there's just too many bodies in front of him. There's too much experience in front of him, and I think that because of that, uh, he's he's probably going to spend another year on the practice squad. However, with all of the impending free agents next year in the defensive backfield, I think this is basically like okay, well. You're going to spend this year, part of this year, at least in the practice squad, barring any injuries. But next year, you're going to get your chance to actually play and start possibly if you, if you do really, really well in camp. And that, they're a guy that, he's a guy that they're really high on, and I don't think they want to give him up. But another one of those things like, okay, well, he didn't get a chance to show himself in preseason, so we don't know if he can beat out like an Akilah Witherspoon. We don't know that. And there's just not enough coming out of practice to, to indicate to us that Tim Harris is really going to beat anybody out at this point. So I think practice squad is the destination for him, at least for part of the season. We know there are going to be injuries. I think he'll be, he'll be called up at some point and we'll see him. Um, especially, we don't really know Jason Verrett. <laughs> well, like that's, it's a great camp story. And we have him, I think I have right. him starting. But what if he has another Pittsburgh sort of like, you know, what, what if that happens, right? And that, that point, he's done. He's never played a full season in, in, since, uh, what is it, 2015, 2016? So. Mm-hmm. You can't count on a guy to finish the season. So I think at some point you'll see Tim Harris with the team this season. Is Lakin Tomlinson low-key one of the best free agent pickups of this regime? A guy seems like a no-nonsense stud. Let me tell you something about Tomlinson. He took a lot of heat when the Niners got him. He's been nothing but steady for them. Started 15 games in 2017, 16-16, and then every playoff game. He has been a rock on the offensive line. Lakin Tomlinson was a terrific addition for them. Absolutely terrific. And he's, he's just, again, he's just plug and play, man. He's been there throughout it all. And yeah, that's one of those pickups that when, when they did it, it's a Martin Mayhew thing, right? Um, mm-hmm. He drafted him in Detroit. And it's one of those things where they got him. And you're like, oh, he's been a bust. He comes in. Kyle knows what he's looking for. He's fit right in. This is what we're always hoping for as fans when the Niners pick up, like, oh, I guess, like a Kevin White, right? Where you have a former first round bust. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, he's a reclamation project. He's going to do great. He was picked in the first round for a reason. The Lions gave up on him. and as you said, Martin Mayhew made that trade and he's been nothing but fantastic for the 49ers. He's been nothing but just like a stalwart at left guard. And that's, the, it's funny because that's the one position, even more so than the tackles. And I'm like, okay, the Niners are okay at because McGlinchey and, and Staley were both hurt last year. So obviously there was that, that position was in flux, mm-hmm. but that's the one position on the line where I'm like, all right, Tomlinson's going to be solid there. There's going to be nobody that's going to really take a spot. He doesn't really let anybody beat him uh one-on-one he's not he's he's one of the better guards in the league one of the more unheralded guards in the league so fantastic uh, acquisition really really uh underrated player love him next one with so many injuries what is one week position group you see on the offensive side of the ball one group position one week position group on the defensive side of the ball i think we kind of already mentioned that if if garland's banged up i'm really worried about center and i'm worried that that could have issues with the whole offensive line and again, when you take a guy like Fred Warner off the field, then it was a technically injured. But to me, you don't replace that. So I'll go with those two. I have another kind of answer, but I think I'm going to get to it a little bit later. 
with a different question. So those are my two. If Fred Warner is not there, anytime you take a Warner or a Bosa out of the mix, you hit. You're not going to be better. You're only going to get worse. And the center thing would definitely worry me. Yeah, center for sure. I agree on that. Um, that that one is top for me because the, the Jimmy needs time, and, and the reason why largely they lost the Super Bowl was because they couldn't contain um, Jones up the middle. So uh, I think that uh, uh, that's one thing. The other thing is that uh, on the defense side of the ball, if they lose either either one of their safeties. I think it's going to be a huge blow to them because look, Marcel Harris and Tarvius, Marcel Harris and Tarvius Moore are good players. Um, but I don't think they're at the level that Tart and Jimmy Ward are. Obviously when Ward went down last year, there was, there was a drop off with, with Tarvius Moore. And we saw it and, and Marcel Harris coming in, we saw it, but right now this team is basically a championship team. That's fine to get back and win the Super Bowl, And you need to have the, the quarterbacks of your defense in there. And it's, so important that you have a guy like a Jimmy Ward who understands that single high safety as well as he does. And that's a natural position for him. And if they go down, one of them goes down again, you're going to see a drop off. Part of why I think the defense dropped off so, so much last year in the middle of the season was not only Quan Alexander uh, injury, but also the tart injury as well. Um, they've been, I, I would, I would have loved to pull up some stats. Uh, I think stats has some stats on this, but after tart went down, the, the secondary was significantly worse. And to me, that's really the only thing that can derail a Super Bowl this year. I think they will win the Super Bowl. I've said that many times. If there is a Super Bowl this year, they'll win it, um, provided that they can stay healthy. All right, here's a question about Kevin White. We already talked about him, 53-man 53 53 projection. We did that. Um, wondering about McKinnon. We talked about that, too. We think he's going to be more of a receiver. And here's one. How many different 1,000-yard receivers will the Niners have this season? Well, they've only had... Actual wide receivers, too, since Terrell Owens, which has been Michael Crabtree and Anquan Bolden. And obviously, Kittle's been over a thousand the last two years at tight end. But when we talked about it, if everybody's there, you have Kittle, you have Reed, you have McKinnon in the passing game, you have Debo, you have Taylor, you have Ayuk, and even Kendrick Bourne. That's what seven people I just named. I don't see anybody with a thousand yards this year. And that may be a good thing because they may be spreading the ball out a lot. It won't be in the past where they didn't have a thousand yard receiver because they just didn't have anybody who can get a thousand yards. This year you may have six guys with five hundred and fifty yards plus or whatever whatever it is, because they are spreading the ball around so much. So look, George Kittle's already always a perennial a thousand yard guy. Debo came close last year, but there's so many weapons right now. I think this team is going to be a team where you really can't key in on one guy because they can beat you in so many ways. Yeah, I, it's funny because I thought that, that about that same thing myself that we look at George Kittle's numbers from the last two years, thousand yards, and he he broke the yardage record in his first uh, of those thousand yard seasons. He's not going to approach that this year. And people are going to look at the drop off and be like, "Oh, Kittle was it was a flash in the pan." But it, no, it's not because what's going to happen is that you can't if you have more people that are able to to competently take the ball, you have less guys you can double. And what that does is that it creates I don't want to say like a receiver by committee offense, but that's really what happens is that, all right, well, there's no one guy that Jimmy's going to force to do. He's going to throw it to the open guy. And again, he's not Tom Brady. And I want to emphasize that. However, this is exactly what new England does. They don't have one guy that they force it to. They have several guys that they're comfortable throwing the ball to. Like at some point, obviously Gronk will get the, the line share depending on the flow of the game, but the intent is not to force feed somebody like that Atlanta game last year that the Niners lost. Like Kittle had like what, 17 targets in that game and 13 catches. Like you're not going to see that this year. You're not. 
there's too many options. Barring injuries, there's too many options for them to for them to do that. And that, that's a good problem to have. Because look, essentially what you're doing now is you're getting, if you have a Kittle and, and Jordan Reed at the, on the field at the same time, you're getting, all right, well, you're getting a, a, a linebacker who probably is not that good in coverage covering one of those guys. And I, I take that mismatch every single time. And the more guys you have on the field that can catch the ball and, and run with it and, and do well as offense, the more mismatches it creates for you uh, that you can exploit. So think about this, Al. Like if you if you have Ayuk, Debo, um, you know, and and Bourne on the field at the same time, like I trust Kendrick Bourne to beat like the other team's number three corner, or I trust Debo if he's in the slot to beat their slot corner. I, I trust that. So that's essentially what it comes down to: is if you have numbers like that in terms of uh, talent levels uh, that you're able to deploy at once, you're going to win matchups, individual matchups, and then it's just up to Jimmy to get them the ball. A lot of chess pieces for Kyle to play with this year. It's going to be fun. All right, let's find one more here. All right, here's this is a good one because I've actually seen this a couple of places. This person asks, is Javon Kinlaw already a bust as one of your writers at Brinkosaurus? I don't know who that is. Somebody it's writes like for Gilbert, the web zone. Gilbert, so somebody, Gilbert, okay. So Gilbert must have written something that Kinlaw, I don't know, I didn't see it. But I've also seen in other places that Kinlaw was struggling a little bit. Um, listen. <laughs> Do I? All right, let me take this a couple of different ways. One, the dude hasn't even played a preseason game yet. Let's let's relax. Let's just re- relax. It takes time for guys to develop. We, nobody has any idea how this guy's going to play. He can come out guns blazing in week one. We don't know how he's going to play. I think the Niners are going to ease him in. He'll probably be you know two down type thing or whatever. They'll ease him in. They'll rotate him early on, hoping that eventually he's going to be a stud. And you can't because you're talking about come on practice. Come on. Come on. We haven't even seen him in a preseason game yet. We can't say that. Whether he's looked good, bad, and different, whatever. We'll see when the game starts before we're going to make any judgment. Now, I, I will say this. And I said this when it happened. When, when they got rid of Buckner, whoever they were bringing in via the draft, they got worse. That doesn't mean that Kinlaw can't be very good. He can maybe be a pro bowler one day. I'm not saying he can't. But DeForest Buckner, I don't think he was an elite level defensive tackle. You know, I don't think he's Aaron Donald but I think he was that next tier where he's very, 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 very good. And you lost that. You lost that inside pass rush. You don't have that right now. He's, he's not there. You just don't replace that. You just don't drop somebody in there and say, oh, okay, oh, we're, we're good to go. So look, let's, you know, I said, again, I've seen it. Not, I'm not trying to pick on Gilbert. I've, I, I didn't read the article and I've seen it um, a number of other places actually where they're saying that he's been struggling. Maybe he has. Let's see what happens when the lights go on with the games before we start making any proclamations. And even this year, remember the first year with Buckner, Zane, if you remember, he was kind of, his pad level was too high and he was getting moved off the ball and everything mm-hmm. like that. And Buckner ended up being a stud. You cannot not judge these guys yet. You just can't. You got to give Kinlaw this year. I know that he's replacing Buckner, but it's not fair to say that he needs to come in and do that. Oh, this is the guy that's going to replace Buckner. That's not fair to him. It's not fair to any rookie. So wait and see what happens with this. And hopefully Kinlaw ends up living up to that first round pick, but that's not something we're going to be able to say for probably into next year. Well into next year. Yeah. I think the, with respect to certain position groups, it's when you draft them, it's really hard to see the impact right away just because it's the development is different with them. Um, one of them is interior offensive line. And the other one is interior defensive line. Like in the trenches, like the interiors of both lines, you, you don't see them like with tackles they're on the outside. They, they get all the glory. You see them develop right away. Um, on offense, but you don't see like like a center develop, for example, right? You don't see a guard develop. Um, on the de- defensive line, same thing. Like you see the defensive ends and the pass rushers, they develop more quickly, 
um, for whatever reason, but uh, I feel like the responsibilities are different in, uh, on the interior. And because of that, it's harder to gauge a guy's development. It's harder for them to see, for you to see development early on um, just because they do have more, more responsibilities on the inside, depending on the defensive scheme. But I think that we also have to remember that Javon Kinlaw is not being in, not being brought in to replace DeForest Buckner. You can't replace that. You can't replace like an all pro, um, one of the best interior college defensive linemen ever, um, at least in, in terms of passing, rushing the passer. You, you can't just replace that. I think what it is, they have a specific role for him. In the optics of it, yes, they, it looks like they replaced him. They traded Buckner and they, they dropped a Kinlaw and played the exact same position. But I think the 49ers have a specific role that they have for him in, in mind, and he's going to play that role. The fans may not understand it, but at the end of the day, the, the coaches and the position coaches are going to do what's best uh, for the Niners and their scheme. And I'm with you. He's not going to see the field uh, for all three downs. I don't think that was ever the case. I don't think he's a three-down player. I don't think he ever was. Um, he's going to be there on running downs and base downs. And when it's pass rushing downs, like I said in, earlier in the podcast, you're going to see all pass rushers there. Um, they don't have DJ Jones in on passing downs. Uh, granted, he's not a first-round pick, but he's not in on passing downs. He's in on running downs. So. I guess obvious um, passing downs he's not in. But you can't judge a guy by one training camp. You can't. It's just foolish. It's it, Not everybody's going to be like Nick Bosa coming in and tearing everything up. And even Ayuk was tearing everything up before he got hurt. Like Not everybody's going to be like that. You can't judge everybody by that barometer. So I'm, I'm willing to be patient with Kinlaw. Did I like the pick at the time? I, didn't, I wasn't crazy about the pick at the time, but... At the same time, he's just a rookie. He's realizing that he can't just overpower everybody in, at this level. And as he gets better and more experienced, he'll develop pass rush moves. He's playing on the best defensive line in the NFL. Al. Like he's gonna, he's gonna learn a thing or two. Mm-hmm. And he'll be better because he's playing on the defensive line because there's other guys that they have to pay attention to when you're mm-hmm. playing next to guys like like D Ford and Eric Armstead and, and Nick Bosa and DJ Jones, who's a terrific player. Guys like that, you know, you can help raise his game. So. All right, Tane, we are a week away, man. A week from tomorrow, Chiefs-Texans. Can you, can you believe it? Um, I mean, it should have been Niners and Texans, but, you know, that's, that's <laughs> not here or there. I'm finally, finally putting it behind me a little bit, and you bring it back up. <laughs> bring it back well, up. It should the be stupid the Chiefs got their stupid Super Bowl rings the other day, so, yeah. Um, it's funny. I was I was going to put out an unpopular tweet, but I was put on the podcast so people can flame me on Twitter after listening to this. But I was like, man, I was like this close to putting out a tweet that said, "Well, Kyle Shanahan probably should have got, should have got one too because he's partially responsible for that winning as well." <laughs> but then I'm like, no. I mean, obviously, like you know, it's a joke. It's said in jest, but you know how Twitter is these days, right? Everybody takes it seriously. So, yeah, every, everybody's mad about everything. Yeah. So that's how it is. So. All right, Zane, well, I'm pumped. I can't wait to get this football season started. Um, so excited. I just, I can't even fathom again that I'm going to be watching 49ers football in what, 10 days or whatever it's going to be, 10 days of recording this. So it's all good, man. Can't wait. Can't wait to do this next show. Can't wait for the season with everybody. As always, thanks for joining us and we'll talk to you next time.